Hey everybody, I'm Alicia and welcome to the Medicine in Color podcast, a platform where I highlight the voices of men and women of color in all aspects of medicine and elevate their stories for the world to hear. Let's get to it. Hey y'all and welcome to another episode of Medicine in Color. Um, How is everybody doing? It's been quite a break since uh, the last episode, I had all these big plans to put things out um, weekly during the summer. And I did work for a little while, and but I really need to do take care of some other things behind the scenes. So um, I have officially started second year. We're back. Another episode, and I've officially started second year. Um, we are three, I think this, is, this might be going into week four, um, weeks in. We just had our first exam of the year. It is Labor Day weekend, by the way. Um, so we just had our first exam of the year last week. And after that exam and leading up to it, I was feeling a whole lot of things. I started the year off strong and for the most part held true to my study, sleep, and exercise schedule. Three things that I need to do, study, sleep, and exercise. I'll get to that though. Um, I started the term off knowing what habits I did and didn't want to bring with me from first year and how I wanted to approach the year. So um, I've already kind of seen some of those things kind of creep back in. And so I'm having to acknowledge those things and be intentional about correcting those behaviors. And it's very interesting because at the top of the year, I wanted the two words that I felt strongly described my um, desire for this year were consistent and intentional. And if I'm being really honest, those are the two areas where I have struggled the most. I have been challenged in being consistent in um, eating well, challenging, being consistent, in exercising, challenge, and being consistent, even with this podcast. And so it's interesting that when you when you set out to do something, um, there are things that may not necessarily work out the way you want them to, or that may challenge you in the areas where you sought to improve. And so that has certainly been um, my case for this um, year so far, what we're now nine months in. And so, um, again, I knew what habits I didn't want to bring in and I kind of saw some of those things creep in. So, for example, regarding our recent exam, I knew how I wanted to approach the year. And then a few days before the exam, I began to get really anxious. I didn't trust my preparation and all of my scheduling and planning went out of the window. To provide a little more context, I I mentioned this earlier, there there are things that I must do in order to thrive. Here are a few things. One, I need to sleep. Okay, I need to sleep. Um, seven hours at a very minimum six. I used to be able to thrive in my um, if, in younger years. I'm not old, but I'm just saying in younger years, I used to be able to thrive um, off very little sleep. When I went to grad school the first time, I could thrive off a little sleep, but I can't do that now. Um, <laughs> I need sleep to function at a high capacity. If I don't get that at this stage, um, everything I study is kind of mush. It's just a bunch of stuff floating around in my head and nothing's connecting. I feel I have terrible headaches when I don't sleep. I wake up with a headache if I'm only sleeping a few hours um, and I just can't focus. So I'm an early riser. I've been an early riser for a long time now. Um, Probably, yeah, a long time now. I've kind of trained myself to be that way. I'm usually on campus fairly early. If it's just a study day for me, I try to get there by 8.30, no later than 9. Some days I'm moving slow. I'm be honest with you, I'm there by 9.30. But nonetheless, (laughs) I get there early. Uh, and this allows me, if it's just a full day of study, this allows me to go through material, sit with it, learn it, watch videos, all that kind of stuff, and still be in the bed by 1030 at night. That's important because, again, I wake up very early. Um, it allows me seven hours of sleep. So I need to sleep. I need exercise. When I beast a workout, whether it be early morning, I've been going to hot yoga in the mornings now, which I really enjoy. Um, at first, it was tough, but nonetheless, I've been doing that in the morning. I feel much better about myself, which means that I am focusing on studying. I feel I feel stronger. I feel um, like I can conquer anything. I can do anything. Uh, I also need to eat well. That's important for me too. If I don't eat well, I feel terrible. I'm sluggish. I'm tired. I'm also stressed because I'm thinking about what I, what I should or shouldn't be eating. And I, that means I haven't meal prepped. I need to meal prep. So all that stuff kind of play. I, I know all of these things, I knew these things going into the year. I wrote out my, I had my schedule. I I live and die by my calendar. But before the exam, I did none of these things. 
I had no meals prepped. I was just eating random stuff. I was, I fell off on my exercising, especially the week before the exam. I don't think I exercised. I may have exercised once. Um, I wasn't sleeping, particularly like four days leading four four yeah four or so days leading up to the exam. I was staying up until like one or two a.m. Um, going to sleep, still waking up at six because my body just naturally does that and functioning off very little sleep, and I can't do that. So this is just a reminder, PSA, um, not to say that I did you know, poorly on the exam. I'm just saying that I know that these are things that work for me and I need them to thrive. So this is just my little PSA to stick to what works. Of course, you can adjust and fine tune, but if you have something that works for you, if, and works means if it works for you academically, but also works for you physically, are you physically well as you move through this process? Um, stick to it. Uh, I know works for me. And because I started to get anxious about the exam, I then deviated from that. So I know that I also know that when I get to rotations and into residency, uh, depending on my specialty, I will have to adjust again, not depending on my specialty. In general, I will have to adjust again and my new normal will be different. But for now, at this stage, as a second year medical student, I know what allows me to perform well and feel also at the same time, feel good. And I need to do those things. So it's second year. Um, this is also the year that we sit for the first part of our licensure exams, AKA the boards. Um, so there'll be some new challenges and lessons learned from the year that I'm looking forward to bringing to all of you uh, and bring you along with me on this process. Um, the most concern I think I've had about board preparation is the resource to use. Everybody's talking about all these different resources and XYZ, this person uses this, this person uses that. And so now that I've really, I spent time over this Labor Day holiday, really like relaxing, but also getting myself organized. My to-do list, man, let me tell you, yesterday I had a cup of coffee. My friend has a coffee company. I ordered some coffee from him and I finally opened it up. I had a cup of coffee and I didn't go to sleep until like 3 a.m. Now I know that contradicts every single thing I said earlier in the episode, but this, like I was functioning at a really high level for a really long time. Um, knocked off a bunch of things on my to-do list, scheduled emails to go out, just a bunch of stuff um, I did. And um, I'm going to get a good, I'm going to get good sleep tonight though. But um, so yeah, I have now honed in on solidified the resources that I'll need to be successful. Um, and so that concern is gone and now I'm ready to prepare. And I know I will do well because I believe it, but also because I have no choice. Um, I'm here to win. I'm here to do well. I'm here to um, exceed my own expectation, but I also know that that will take work. It is going to take a lot of consistency. It's going to take a lot of time and um, dedication to do it. And I'm up for it. I feel well rested after this long weekend. I'm grateful for the time off. Well, not really time off because I still had to do schoolwork and study, but nonetheless, I'm grateful for the quiet time and the peace. So before I jump into today's episode, I want to stress the importance of one more thing is having a circle of people who pour into you and add value to your life and whatever that looks like for you. So for me, I have great friends, old and new friends that I'm building and developing relationships with who I can reach out to and who I know have my best interest at heart. Uh, so I challenge you to take stock of who's adding to you and who's draining you and audit the folks who have access to you. Everyone should not have access to you, um, just in general. And so the last thing and the theme along with the theme for this episode, uh, I told a friend this last week that medical school has been the most consistent lesson in adaptability and humility I have ever had. It will humble you. Um, you will be forced to adapt. In a conversation with my mom post-exam, um, she said to me, because I, I like to learn a certain way. I'm not, a, I don't like to memorize random stuff uh, just to memorize it. She said to me, you are going to have to let go of that resistance and you're going to have to do what you have to do to do well. And so that really turned a light on for me. Let go of the resistance to change. Um, it's okay to grow in this process. It is going to be uncomfortable. We want to be comfortable. I know that I like to be comfortable. Um, and so you have to let go of the resistance to change. This process is all about growth and discomfort, uh, which is the title for today's episode. So um, be okay with adapting, be okay with growing, be okay with developing, and be okay with being uncomfortable. Be committed to being uncomfortable because at every stage you will be uncomfortable. It's a new year, I'm a second year. 
I am still uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I, you know, you think you have it down and then things change. And that is the reality of life. And I'm learning that and I'm appreciative for that. So uh, on to today's guest. Today's guest is Dr. Oliver Richmond. Oliver is an Eagle Scout and a native of Cleveland, Ohio. He is a graduate of Morehouse College where he completed, competed in track and field while majoring in biology. He is also a graduate of Clark Atlanta University where he earned his PhD in biological sciences as a member of the Center for Cancer Research and Therapeutic Development. As a member of the Emerging uh, 100 of Atlanta, excuse me, Oliver serves his community providing structural interventions to promote the academic, economic, and vocational successes of high school and collegiate youths. First of all, a servant of all, Oliver is a member of the oldest and the coldest, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Oliver serves as a deputy director of community service for the Ada Lambda chapter. He mentors youth to mitigate the plight of the African, the African Americans face today. Through Alpha's platform, Oliver promotes academic accountability, civic responsibility, and financial independence while emphasizing leadership, scholarship, and service to his mentees. Oliver is a cancer biologist in the Bethesda, Maryland area, where he uh, investigates the role of non-muscle myosin twos for their significance in development, prevention, and treatment of illness and disease. He's smart, y'all. He's really smart. <laughs> like even while I was talking to him, I thought this guy's really smart. Um, <laughs> my conversation with Oliver was very fruitful. He has such a full story. And even in this conversation, we only scratched the surface before we even recorded. We had a long two hour conversation, then another conversation afterwards. He's, he, he's, um, full of knowledge, but also he's a solid, great person. And so I hope that you all glean something from this episode. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Oliver. Oliver, thank you and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really looking forward to this opportunity and I actually feel honored. So um, I've listened to a lot of the other podcasts that you've done so far and there are some really amazing stories and I'm really impressed by the power of your platform. And I don't think that it's reached its height yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to see where it goes from here and, and how it goes and, and who it reaches. Um, I know I personally have a lot of mentees and then myself that are looking for a lot of the details and the jewels that come out of these conversations. So um, iron sharp is iron. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to get started. So let's jump right into it. Um, the first question I ask everyone is, uh, what do you do and why? Great question. Okay, so I am currently a cancer biologist mm -hmm. in the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute mm -hmm. at the National Institutes of Health. And there I am pretty much the research oncologist for my lab. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we focus on uh, proteins called non-muscle myosin 2s. And they are pretty much the structural proteins of our cells. So they're all of our cells. And they help to give our cells the three-dimensional shape as well as help with the motility or the movement of cells. Mm -hmm. Now, where that becomes interesting or uh, applicable to me is when normal cells start to misbehave and become aberrant or abnormal, and they tend to lead toward cancer or to formation of tumors. And so what I'm studying right now are methods or, or mechanisms to kind of mitigate the possibility of myosins contributing to cancer formation or tumor formation. Yes. So That's why cool. I do that? It, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> That's pretty cool, yeah. It depends on the day. <laughs> um, and, I, and I'll circle back to that in a, little, in a little bit as to why it depends on the day. But so my why actually is very atypical mm -hmm. and non-traditional. So my passion is medicine. Uh, I've, I've learned at a very early age that I was very interested in helping people. But uh, to pursue medicine in the way that I wanted to, it wasn't so simple as my sister cuts her leg, I put a Band-Aid on it, I clean it off, things like that. It was, it, it was a lot deeper for me and so much deeper that I went to like prevention. And at, at that same level of or, or earlier age, I realized that in order to really be the best physician or the best help that I could be, I needed to kind of preempt things or prevent things. Mm -hmm. And to do that, I wanted to learn to think like someone that has a PhD. Mm. So I wanted to learn to think like someone who is classically trained to think on a, a very, very specific level, 
but also to to pan out and think on a macro level mm-hmm. and then to be able to toggle between the two mm-hmm. so um that's kind of where it came from when i was at morehouse college my undergrad in Atlanta, georgia um it was i was approaching graduation interested in medical school and i realized wait a minute, all these other guys have research experience i've only done the lab that required for my program yeah so I reached out to some individuals at Clark Atlanta University across the street, literally, and they provided me an opportunity. Um, not too many people took me very seriously at first, but mm-hmm. um, I was taken in by one of the women faculty members there, and she trained me personally. And I spent three years researching with her. Um, I generated a couple of publications out of it. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about my, the science, and I learned a lot about what I thought I wanted to do and I don't want to do. Um, so, so why I do what I do, uh, came out of that, um, more so it was, it was kind of, uh, sharpened or, or honed and it's pretty much my why. So it's, it's the people that I care about, the family that I don't yet have. Yeah. Right. So the future that I want to provide for them, the opportunities that I want to make sure that they have or that are available to them. Um, and so there are individuals that are walking around that I interact with that I care about today that I really want to be certain that they have the best care, the best quality, the best opportunities, and are able to ask the questions that that they don't know to ask yet, mm-hmm. or to do the things that are necessary to prevent um, a life that is uh, less desirable or, or uh, financially risky. Yeah. But yeah. So that's my why. My why is the the people around me, mm-hmm. and um, my how is is long atypical yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna get into your house you have a good story let's talk about the people though you mentioned um your why is tied to the people around you um who are those people so when did that why start so you're from cleveland yes um went to atlanta for for undergrad and now transplant now transplant in the dmv area um (laughs) and so what like talk about the people and across all of that, like your family back in Cleveland or friends or community back in Cleveland, community in Atlanta, or even in the DMV area now, or just even greater than that. So yeah, talk about the people. So let's go back. Okay, so from Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio, born and and bred mm-hmm. from Cleveland, Ohio. And um, very early on growing up, so I'm, I'm one of five, um, come from a broken home, Parents never married, mm-hmm. um, but that didn't mean failure or lack of opportunity. I had all the opportunity in the world. Yeah. And so um, I was primarily or majoritively reared by my mom, my grandmother, my aunt, and my grandfather. Mm-hmm. So I am a mama's boy. Um, and my, my family, that side of the family has roots from Mississippi and Alabama. So I have the country roots mm-hmm. and I'm the city boy. So <laughs> yeah. um, there's a there's an interesting balance within but um, very early on, I started to witness, not necessarily experience personally, but uh, from a familial standpoint, or social standpoint, I started to witness and experience a lot of hardships and adversities within my family, particularly medical. I had a friend in high school. Well, no, so before that, my dad was murdered when I was four. Um, so I grew up without an actual father figure. And um, I learned throughout the process, throughout the time, because uh, we never had a stable father figure in general, um, to look toward men in society that were successful or effective or both. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not always the same. And um, I tried to usurp, usurp or assimilate certain qualities that these men possessed. Um, and I think that's interesting because at no point, I remember at no point did I ever want to become those men. Mm-hmm. Uh, those men were those men and I was me and I had a different trajectory. But there were certain qualities that I wanted to assimilate uh, for me in my development. And this is a practice that I still maintain today. So then um, my sister closest to me in age, we used to always play together. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would always be in and out of the hospital. Uh, we'd be in the emergency room on a first name basis. Um, and then my younger sister, she was burned. She sustained mm-hmm. third degree burns um, to her lower extremities. My older brother, was a victim uh, as, at two years old. Was a victim of a, a car accident, uh, mm-hmm. which rendered him unconscious and stopped his heart. And so oh, wow. I was able to revive him. Then my mom, she, she was ejected from an automobile mm-hmm. through the windshield, um, broke her back, and 
sustained several fractures to her skull. Um, medicine literally glued my family back together. Mm. It wasn't just medicine though, um, because it's, so my whole belief in what I'm doing and, and where I'm trying to go is largely faith-based. Yeah. So medicine did a lot on one hand, and and I'm very thankful for it, but I do believe that it's God on the other hand who equipped these individuals and put them into these positions with their skill sets and their expertise, whatever on whatever level, to be able to um, work these miracles mm-hmm. and provide these um, have these advantages that we have and these things that we that we benefit from today. <clears throat> so from there, um, I was in trouble in school. Uh, it's more so because I, I I think very quickly and um, I have I had these skill sets that. I got bored very easily with the work. I was put into Boy Scouts. Um, didn't really like it at first, but my grandfather put me in there. That was my that was my mail right there. So I, I tried because he asked me to. Mm-hmm. I ended up excelling. Um, came rise to rose to the top. Uh, attained my Eagle Scout, and then I went on to high school. At which point I or I continued into high school. At which point I graduated at the top of my class, um, Student Government Association, and then it came time to look for colleges. <clears throat> so. I was really close to my friends at the time, but I had always been told that college is where you really find yourself. Mm-hmm. So the only research that I had conducted at that time for college was for schools out of state. Never considered one school in state. And so it was very interesting because <laughs> it was it was almost known that I was going to go to the Jesuit school in state. And they had actually offered me a full ride. My parents are going to hear about this, my family. So they offered me a full ride, uh, <laughs> which I turned down. Never told Wait, never, they don't know this until right they now. Don't know, they're gonna find. Out. <laughs> okay. So I never. Yeah, this was like thirty thousand um, at that time. So it was a Jesuit university, John Carroll University, offered me a full ride, academic and athletic scholarship. Um, I ran track and field and cross country, mm-hmm. and I turned it down. The reason I turned it down is because I had already read about this college in Atlanta, Georgia, Morehouse College, the Morehouse College, and it was the first time that I actually really learned anything about Morehouse College. Mm-hmm. The only thing I knew about it prior was Dr. Martin King Jr. And so what attracted me to Morehouse College was its claim and its mission. And the claim that it made was that we develop leaders and we are the best at developing leaders mm-hmm. for black males, mm-hmm. bar none. And so that really, really interested me. And it interested me because at that time I was really heavily involved in Boy Scouts. Um, I had been the senior patrol leader um, of a, a national jamboree. I was in charge of 4,000 boys. And so coming off of that, it, it was very fitting to continue into something that paralleled the values and the principles that I, I received from Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. And in my research, that was Morehouse. And so I continued on to Morehouse. Um, my family did not approve at all. Uh, I was paying for all of my fees out of pocket, all the money I had saved. Oh, wow. Right down to my last, I think it was like my last $500 or something like that. In my <laughs> in my second savings account, I had nothing left. Yeah. And then right before it was due, I remember my aunt, who was the family's power of attorney at that time, she dropped a check on the table and she just goes, just make sure you get a good education. And I don't cry, but at that point, I was, oh, I was, yeah. I was right there. I was like, <laughs> dang, like, look at God. Like, yeah. Because I was, I really didn't know what I was going to do, and actually, I, I received the, uh, I received the bill for tuition before I received my acceptance letters. So. <laughs> Classic so, college, like, typical agency. Yeah, yeah, come, 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 come pay this bill before we even let yeah. you know you're coming to school. Exactly. It was, it was, Morehouse was uh, the best, one of the best experiences that I've had. Um, I met some of my lifelong friends that I will ever have. Um, I forged some of the best and some of the best relationships that I can recall to date. And I've grown exponentially. Mm-hmm. Um, one quick note about Morehouse is that if you, that was my, my, my first time going to Morehouse was day one of my college education. I had never been to Atlanta. Oh. didn't have family in Atlanta. Yeah. But what I learned about it in my research, I was very impressed. And so I will say when you set foot on campus, it is not the Ritz. It is not Disney World. It is, yeah. it is 
Morehouse is in the hood. Is <laughs> west end of Atlanta. It is west end of yep, Atlanta. Yep, it sure is. It's those, true. those are probably gunshots that you have. So. <laughs> but um, I will say, so there is a lot of people sleep on Clark Atlanta University. Very, very good institution. It mm-hmm. is the private education with a public school feel. Spelman College right across the street, which I believe is still currently ranked number one. I love Spelman. Yep. And so, uh, but I also love Bennett College in Greensboro, North Carolina, our sister school as well as Spelman. But anyway, um, my experiences at Morehouse can be culminated into saying basically, I do not recall, even to this day, <clears throat> waking up on a Saturday on the weekend and being so physically drained from just my workouts alone and track and field at Morehouse College. Um, we didn't have, you know, top tier facilities or anything like that, but we did win. So mm-hmm. we put in the work. But then on another note, the other side, the balance of that is the academic portion, which actually always came first. I do not recall a weekend or a Saturday where I woke up and was just so tired and not want to get out of bed just from thinking. Mm-hmm. So the level of engagement that took place inside of the classroom, second to none. And Morehouse really chiseled my my intellect and the ability to kind of verbally spar with individuals or entertain ideas that I didn't necessarily agree with, but re- entertain them respectfully. And to, to either argue on behalf or in defense of, of, of ideas that I did not necessarily agree with. And to take that one statement from this brother over here or that one statement from this sister over here and raise your level of understanding or raise your level of expectation. And when you know better, you do better. So that real life lesson of iron sharpening iron really was driven, driven home to me. <clears throat> right after Morehouse, um, again, I learned that, hey, I can't just apply to medical school right now. Um, I need some type of experience. And so I transitioned across the street, Clarkland University. And for a couple of years after my undergrad, I was doing research mm-hmm. in, a, in a lab at, at Clarkland University. And so the research that I was doing was in a cancer lab. And that lab is part of a center a nationally dedicated center, or nationally, a center nationally dedicated to the research and development of um, treatments and cures against prostate cancer. And so the center's name is the Center for Cancer Research and Therapeutic Development, which had a tremendous impact on my development as a researcher. So Dr. Joanne Powell uh, was the impetus who was very intr- instrumental to bringing me into Clarkland University and making that opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. Without her, things may have still happened, but they would not have happened as they did. And I would not be sitting here today with the credentials that I have because she really got the ball rolling. She really fought for me, getting me in there. And then there were several individual key individuals after that um, that helped me to um, get th- get into the program, get through the program. So I did the program. I, well, I did the research at Clarkland University. I said, okay, I did my time, time to apply for medical school. I'm out. And they're like, what? You're out? I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Like, I'm trying like, to go to nah, son. Yeah, like, they, we talked about this. And they're like, oh, we think you should get a PhD. And I'm like, uh, I think not. <laughs> like, because my my respect for a PhD at that point uh, had not been lofty or um, I was not impressed by someone that had a PhD. Mm-hmm. The only thing that impressed me was the way that they think. Mm-hmm. And so in the time that I had been there, I, I felt as if I learned to think like someone that does have a PhD. Mm-hmm. And so that was the goal that I had when I entered there. Yes, I got the research experience out of it, which would help diversify my application for medical school. But the, the key point that I, that I attained while I was there was to learn to think like someone on a micro and macro level to analyze complex ideas and use cutting edge or strategic solutions to solve complex problems that people before me could not solve. And I felt like I was well on my way with that. <clears throat> so I was being naive, all the naivety I had, you know, now I'm applying to medical school anyway. And it's like, well, what if you don't get in? I'm like, what do you mean what if I don't get in? I'm applying to all these programs. <laughs> <laughs> so I started talking to some counselors and some uh, advisors and they're like, yeah, about that GPA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that GPA, man, it'll come back to get you every time. <laughs> and it, and it, came, it came for me. Yeah. Like, and it had me, it had me so shook and so, um, I ended up reaching out to a school, uh, Southwest College of Osteopathic Medicine, I was very mm-hmm. interested in. Mm-hmm. And ended up talking to a recruiter from there. And then I sent her my credentials and she, she she finally got back to me. I was waiting, waiting, waiting. 
And then she's like, yeah, we recommend that you retake the list of courses. Uh, please see below. And I look below and I'm like, what? I took, I took this, I took this. I took, wait a minute, I took all these courses. And she's like, yeah, we think you should just retake everything. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <"Bruh>. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I was like, man, I'm like, I don't, I don't have time, money, or, or patience for that. Like, it's that's a whole nother. I might as well just get another bachelor's. And she's like, and she starts laughing. She's like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was like, that's what? crazy. And I was like, um, okay, but these guys over here are offering me a PhD program mm-hmm. for free. And she's like, yeah, right. And I'm like, no, seriously. It's like, yeah, okay, I don't know anything about that, but okay, good luck with that. And, you know, when you retake everything, then call, call me it. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll call you back when I get my, when I, when I finish my PhD, I'll call you back. Mm-hmm. And so I enrolled in a PhD. I took the GRE the next day. <laughs> um, did decent. Enrolled in the program. Four year. I did four years. Uh, thank God. Finished my PhD. And then um, I got a. I was. I was applying. Doing all these applications. Um, so all the applications I put in. I think it was at ninety two or ninety five applications. Oh, wow. I, was, I used an Excel sheet to track this. Wow. I'm going crazy. <clears throat> and. Um, I was trying to develop a strategy as why well. I use the Excel sheet. I recommend use use metrics to track your, your progress. But uh, it was around 92 or 95 where I received a phone call while driving around Philadelphia. And the guy that called me was from the NIH. And he was calling me from a cell phone number. And I didn't believe it at first when he said his credentials. I'm like, okay, you're right. Like, who's catfishing me? And but I conducted the, the most unprofessional conversation. I conducted the conversation like that. Like, why are you on the line? Like, why are you playing with me? Oh wow. And so I'm like, I'm busy. And so he's like, Oh, I won't take much time. I'm like, okay, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I want you to come work for me. And I'm like, Yeah, okay, I want to come work for you, but how much money are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And I, I asked him. And he's like, uh, uh, no one's ever asked us about the how much we pay the competitor is the NIH. And I was like, Okay, well when you figure that out, call me back. And <laughs> And that was the conversation. And um, two days later, he emailed me. He said, hey, uh, I'd like for you to come and visit if you haven't visited the facility, the, the campus before. And then I didn't respond. And he called me. I was like, no, I haven't visited the campus. And then he's like, well, could you fly up? And I said, that's expensive. And I didn't even look at the ticket. I said, it's expensive. And then I was like, "Do you? how much is the salary? He's like, I'm still working on that. I said, okay, well, it's expensive. And then he's like, uh, well, what about tomorrow? And I was like, dude, I told you, I got I to teach. Mm-hmm. experiments like and he's like well how about next week and i was like hey this dude is not being serious yeah so i was like all right and he's like well just find a ticket send me the information and we'll pay for it so i was like dang and then i thought about my southwest credits and i was like i'm gonna pay for this ticket and i'm gonna send them a thing and they're gonna reimburse outside i was like i get points with southwest so yeah i sent them the information <clears throat> they flew me up i presented some of my uh, some of my dissertation work actually mm-hmm. and i mean they loved it but the interesting thing was they really wanted me. And it was a real, yeah. I had not been trained and prepared for this. And mm-hmm. so I was very much out of my element. I did use a, um, I used the free services from a program called Cheeky Scientist. And so that's how I structured my resume and prepared myself for the actual in-person interview and things like that. And I do recommend Cheeky Scientist to other individuals that are in the PhD or that are in the scientific field trying to really get more bang for your buck. But um, I will caution you that it does try to transition you out of the lab or medical space into a, a industry space. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to be willing to do that. But um, I try to have my cake and eat it too by using that information and staying in that in my field. But um, yeah, it was it turned out to be real. And so that relocation also required that in the next week I relocate to the DMV area. Mm-hmm. I never lived in the DMV. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was very surreal for me. And then I had to had that come i had a, i had to have a come to jesus moment because i realized um during one of my runs i, I exercised to vent and think and, and get and ascertain clarity or have a moment with god but i did realize that i was intentionally dragging my feet on the situation because i was no longer comfortable and i realized i was going into a moment of discomfort <laughs> but that moment of discomfort that i was able to identify i had to remind myself that someone really close to me once told me that we grow our most in times of discomfort. And so I remember, I had to remember back to a couple of years um, coming through undergrad where I had to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's that exponential growth that I experienced. 
So what I started doing, I started waking up early in the morning to exercise and then doing community service on the weekend, even when my friends didn't do community service with me, because this was something that gave me, it, it made me full and filled my cup to give back to people that couldn't help themselves. Yeah. Um, that's what helped grow me. And that discomfort is what really kind of set me apart and put me, excuse me, on the trajectory to do more things that I wanted to do, put me more in control of where my life was going and, and how things were, were turning out. And so I, I went ahead with the move. I packed up my stuff and uh, I can say this now. I mean, I talked to my, I told my students, so I told my friends closest to me first. I told my family <laughs> and I told my students. Uh, so I was teaching two classes at that time. And I was the overwhelming support that I had from my students. They, mm-hmm. were, they were super surprised and happy and excited. And uh, I don't even think they understood why, but it was the, the support that I received. Um, so we ha- we hashed an agreement where you modified the, the syllabus to teach the rest of the semester in half that time, and uh, they had the rest of that free. We did the final and everything, and then I left. Uh, I think we were I was teaching dissections or something before I left, so mm-hmm. I left. I came up to DMV, and uh, I am still adjusting. This is so I just passed the ninety day mark of okay. being here. Yeah, um, I like the area. I do not like how people drive. <laughs> yes. But I cannot talk to her from Atlanta. I was about uh, to say, Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta driving is special. It's a special place. But I will say, so for Atlanta, it's not the drivers, it's not the people that are born and bred from Atlanta. It's all of us transplants. It's a transplant, yeah. Like, we come in, we speed, and it's like, oh, six lanes? Like, let me get it. Like, mm-hmm. nah, like, we're going to cause accidents. But um, so that's how I ended up in the DMV area. And right now, I, I commute. I wake up in the morning, I wake up about. I wake up 4.45, and then I'm out the door at 5.15, shower and everything. And um, to me, it's it's cheaper and safer, so I take the train. It's more yeah. reliable. Traffic is not that reliable. So mm-hmm. I, um, I do a commute via the MARC train to the Metro, mm-hmm. and it's about two hours door to door. Wow. So I get, a, I get a lot of reading and thinking back. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> um, do. <laughs> but yeah, it gives me prep time, um, prep for my meetings. Um, and then as far as the organizations that I'm involved in outside of, outside of work, it's time for me to kind of do damage control or come up to speed on things and get things done before other people are awake. So, yeah, the yeah, DMV. Yeah, yeah. That's, you have a very full story. And what the general theme is, I think, is something you touched on is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. You moved from um, Cleveland, had never been to Atlanta, um, was not a researcher by plan, but ended up being a researcher. And now um, you've earned a PhD. Um, have, you've never been to the DMV and here you, and here you are now um, <clears throat> living in that area. And so I, one, I think that's amazing that you have been able to um, adjust in every way. And I think, I think that's a phenomenal skill a life skill that everyone should have to be able to adjust to your environment and not run from the challenge of something new. So um, you mentor yes. through uh, the Emerging 100 in Atlanta. Yes. Um, and what, along the, along the lines of adjustment and being uncomfortable, being comfortable with being dis- uncomfortable, how do you kind of drop those seeds into the young men and women you mentor? So it can be very challenging at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so particularly with the emerging one, so to explain the emerging 100 of Atlanta first, I have to go back to explain that it's this is part of an umbrella organization. And mm-hmm. so at the very top of this umbrella, or the very outreaching umbrella here is the 100 Black Men of America. Mm-hmm. And then within America, most major cities, almost every major city has a chapter of 100 Black Men. So for example, I'm affiliated with the 100 Black Men of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. There is a 100 Black Men of Baltimore. However, I'm financial and active with the Atlanta chapter still. Yeah. So within the Atlanta chapter, the average age of its membership is 66 years old. 66 years of age, right? Let's pause for a second. Yes. <laughs> so, the average age the is average 66. Age. My goodness. So they may, so, I mean, you know, John may be 70, but he's active. And yeah. He his dude, yeah. Right? So he's in the community. But that creates a dilemma. So how can John at age 70 mm-hmm. um, 
maybe, you know, swiping the AARP card, how can, I mean, that's a discount. <laughs> how could, how, how does he really relate to Randall, who is a junior in high school? Mm-hmm. There's a gap. Yeah. And it's a very serious gap. It's actually almost a lifetime gap. Yeah, literally. And so that's where the spawn of the Emerging 100 came from mm-hmm. by Kirk Brown and others. So Emerging 100 is specifically designed to take Atlanta's elite young professionals mm-hmm. and use their status, their platforms, their areas of expertise, their development and their disciplines, as well as their finesse to reach out and, and specifically touch these young men and women in the Atlanta area for, this, for the institutions that we serve. Mm-hmm. And so I say the institutions that we serve because there's a lot of property, there's Metro. Yeah. And so the Emerging 100 is specific to the Atlanta area. And people don't know, people that are not from um, Georgia or Atlanta area, I don't frequent that area, don't know that there's a difference between the two. People are like, yeah, I'm yeah. from Atlanta. She's from Atlanta. I'm like, no, she's from yeah. Douglasville. No, 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 no accent. <laughs> yeah. She, that's what zone she from. She, she does not know what a zone is. <laughs> yeah. Very, very um, probably not good on any in Boulevard. Right. 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 Exactly. Um, exactly. And so, okay, so that tier for mentorship. So it's it's interesting because um, this organization for service addresses the economic and social stability and independence of these youth, these youths in their community. Mm-hmm. And so it has to be specific to their communities. And so what's unique about the 100 brand is that um, while working, working on the academic and the financial, the economic, and the vocational skill set of an adolescent, it doesn't stop because you graduated. It doesn't mm-hmm. stop because you relocate. Again, we have chapters throughout the country. Right. So we, we transfer your information in, in that partnership or that, that bond and that relationship. It transfers with that student. Or with that individual, with that team, with that that now adult, and the idea is to reach reach these students and reach these adolescents um, and, and bring them up into the life that they want um, and show them that what they see is what they can be. So a lot of them have never seen uh, a black man in a suit mm-hmm. before. A lot of excuse me, a lot of them do not know that oh, you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be an educator, you can be a superintendent. You could be an astronaut, you could be a dentist, you could be a pharmacist. They've never had those aspirations because they've never been exposed to that type of thinking. Yeah. And so part of the spark that we create is that exposure. And so it's being present, being active, being intentional about what we're doing. So that on the top tier under us, we have the Collegiate 100 of Atlanta, mm-hmm. which takes into context Georgia Tech, Georgia State, Clark Atlanta University, Spelman College, Morehouse College, as well as Emory University. Okay. And so the, the cohort, which is that chapter is co-ed, mm-hmm. men and women, um, as long as you're enrolled in one of those college campuses, or one of those colleges on those campuses, they um, are selected to be members of our collegiate cohort, which we mentor directly to. And then we also encourage them to provide mentorship to the high schoolers that we mentor as well at Best Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. And so it creates this pipeline um, from middle school to high school and then high school to college, and then college to graduate or professional school, and then life itself in, in the grand scheme of things. And this illustrious network is designed to uh, reach back and pull each other up. Mm-hmm. So one of the lessons that I acquired from Morehouse College Track and Field under the direction of Coach Willie Hill was that uh, <clears throat> if, <clears throat> if there's Tom, and Tom is a white guy, and me and Tom are real cool, but Tom goes to Harvard. Mm-hmm. And I go to Morehouse. I call more. I call Harvard the White Morehouse of the North, but <laughs> people call Morehouse what the, the Harvard of the, the South. Harvard of the South, right? <laughs> so Tom is at Harvard. I'm at Morehouse, and we're both equally qualified in the same in the same field with the same GPA mm-hmm. and, and basically the same resume. And we're going for the same job. Mm-hmm. We just finished our interview, and somehow Tom gets that job, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no. With my experience, my education, and with the mystique of Morehouse, the Maroon Mystique, mystique. shares <laughs> is that I get that job mm-hmm. because I've had the better preparation. Mm-hmm. I've, I've learned to fail and not give up. I've gotten knocked down six times and gotten back up seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned what it's like to not get my way. 
to not be mm -hmm. handed things. There's a very, very clear difference between privilege and access. And so there's another organization that I'm involved in that deals dead on head on with the privilege versus access. And so I'm not done once I get that job, <clears throat> according to Coach Hill. I'm only done when I have that job and I go back and I show Tom or my brothers what it is that they need to do to get to where I am. Yeah. Because when we all rise, we all succeed. Mm -hmm. And now we're taking care of the community. And yeah. once the community is good, our whole chain is good. That's good. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That is good. Um, <clears throat> God, you said so many things that I want, <laughs> I want to um, talk about. So you talk quite a bit about Morehouse. And I know um, every... I love my HBCU. Um, I'm grateful for the lessons that I've learned. And you mentioned some of these lessons. But if you had to choose, let's say, top three lessons that um, you learned specifically as an undergraduate or in, at Morehouse, what would those be? So top three lessons, without a doubt, I am my brother's keeper. Mm -hmm. That is something that I charge myself with and I take very seriously. Um, number two, and this is in no particular order, <clears throat> to be a Renaissance man. And some may ask, well, what does it mean to be a Renaissance man? This is a requirement. You must be well-read, mm -hmm. well-dressed, well-spoken, mm -hmm. well-traveled, mm -hmm. and well-balanced. Yeah. It is a requirement. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, it matters that you know what's going on in societies today. It matters that you understand propaganda versus uh, sincere acts or shares of information. A lot of media today <clears throat> is so caught up with being first, not mm, accurate. Yeah. And so it's the sensational. Only, sensational. Very sensational. I mean, there's only one first that I understand and that I know or affiliated with, and it's not concerned with anything that it, that doesn't have to do with accuracy. So, um, and that's that's why there's transcendence in that, but. <clears throat> So yeah, there's the Renaissance man, there's the Brothers Keeper, and then there is, um, I guess you could suffice it to say, do a good turn daily. Um, a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, very big on mentorship because, well, even while, as I sit here before you today, right, there are so many people that have enabled me to be able to sit here today, to enjoy the luxuries that I enjoy, to to travel when I want to travel, um, to have the friends and the networks that I have, mm -hmm. and it's only by the graces of other people that I have had that I've had the opportunity to attend institutions that I've attended, to be engaged in the conversations that I have engaged in, <clears throat> and so it really took a village, mm -hmm. and I can say proudly that my village is strong. Yeah, and so. I help other people. I pour into other people because simply people have poured into me when they did not have to. Mm -hmm. I fundamentally do not believe that anyone is self-made. Everyone has received help at some yes. point. Yes. Um, I think that we can treat our women a lot better. <laughs> um, but the three things that I would take away from from as life lessons from Morehouse would be those three. Be um, so. Be my brother's keeper, and that I mean that's that's uh, not gender specific. So it's be my sister's keeper. Yeah, so, I got you. But also uh, to be a Renaissance man or woman. And also to, uh, I forgot the last thing, but to, um, to, to essentially help somebody else. Yes. To, yeah. Yeah. Pour into others. Pour, yeah. Pour into others. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Pour into every, every opportunity you get, pour into others within means. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sink your ship. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> So you mentioned village. I ask this question quite often of people who are on the podcast, and that question is, um, who is in your circle? Or who are your? Who's your village? Like, who are those people that push you and, and, and support you along the way? There's so many to name. Oh my gosh. Uh oh. Don't. Oh, well, maybe I shouldn't ask you to name yeah, them because yeah. then you get no, in trouble if you yeah. don't name them. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, because I don't know if I miss somebody. Mm -hmm. They know where I live. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> So, so my, my inner circle, which is also my, my first line of therapy, um, my first level or system of support, mm -hmm. it's also my, my line of security, mm -hmm. um, which keeps me whole. And so, well, no, actually God is first and like literally in all of those aspects. Mm -hmm. But then I have, I have a specific combination of 
men and women um, that are some family blood and then some um, that are uh, family from time, from experiences. And so what I can say is that this unique balance of men and women will, that they're, ex they're not expert, they're, um, they're very seasoned individuals in how they counsel me and how they, mm -hmm. how they hold me up, lift me up and, and thrust me forward. Yeah, and they call me on my BS. Yeah, all the time. I have very. I a lot of my friends would describe me as someone who's uh, argumentative. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, well, I would say I'm accurate. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, coming from Morehouse, I, I feel it's a requirement for Morehouse uh, to have to possess to be in possession of an elite level of confidence. <laughs> yes. That's that's a that's a really good way to put that elite level of confidence. Some people say cocky. <laughs> that, that's but, uh, okay. <laughs> so most people would call um, it, but it's all right. Yeah, it's important to you know to keep your head uh, when all about your losing and blaming on you. Like keep your cool. Come on, be confident in what you're doing. But um, but no. So one of the things that I will stress in that relationships in, in those relationships that I have though is that <clears throat> one of the two one of the things that I've noticed is that of all of my relationships, and there are many, more often than not. <clears throat> the women of those relationships are doing it. And so I have, I have, I have relationships where, you know, this friend, she's married to this guy, or, you know, this best friend guy is married to this woman. Um, but those women have always been very assertive and proactive, advantageous, supportive. Mm -hmm. Like I have one friend I remember in college, she used to stay up. So we would travel for track, my friend and I going out of these different cities and sometimes states and I mean, different cities and uh, him for, for him, sometimes countries, but um, we come back into town and she stayed up learning his material because he had a test oh, wow. and he got back. It's not time to go to sleep. It's time to prepare for this test. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so she literally learned his material so that she can quiz him and prepare him for success on that test. And they're married today. Mm -hmm. They weren't married then. They were just dating there. Like they, I mean, but that level of commitment, that level of sacrifice, that's what I'm surrounded by. Mm -hmm. That's So when you hear me talk, these life lessons and these experiences, you really hear the people that stand behind me. You mm -hmm. just can't see them. I can see them and I can feel them. They're always with me. Yeah, They're everywhere I go. That's who keeps me up. That's who holds me upright. That's when I'm not, when I get knocked down at six times, my face is in the dirt. That's why I get back up. Yeah. I know my why. Mm -hmm. I know who's standing by. I know who's sacrificed for me. And at no point in time can I afford to allow anyone on my team to believe in my goals more than I believe in mm, my goals. That's a good one. Like, these are my goals. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I can't put that on my sister. I can't put that on my mom. My sisters are my heroes. Mm -hmm. um, my mom, my hero. Like She's one of my best friends. Tia Jones, Randall Funnies, you know, I mean, like Julia Saints. I mean, I have so many individuals in my corner. Like Andre Stevens, who who fight over and over and over again for me. I mean, in my absence, in my mm -hmm. presence. Um, I mean, they have meetings without me, you know, in preparation for me. They, I mean, they, they know how <laughs> I do. They, like, they, they have a know. meeting in preparation, the meeting before the meeting, specifically mm -hmm. with you. I wasn't going to go to my grandma. I was not going to attend my commencement for my PhD. Mm -hmm. um, I really didn't think my mom was going to go. The degree was for my mom. Like, mm -hmm. So, like, she's not going, I'm not going. I'm going to make these coins. Like... Even though I had time off from where I had personal time off, paid time off, right? Um, but they they level with me. They're like, this is a milestone, and you can't always be work, work, work. Remember that yeah. balance you always talk about. <clears throat> now is a good time to exercise and exhibit that balance. And so yeah, I attended the commencement, but it's things like that that they help me focus on the goals and the ambitions that I have in a real sense. You're mm -hmm. honest with me, but they also let me know, okay. It's time to scale back a bit. Yeah. You need you need to go to the beach. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to travel. You need to it's time to have you talk to so and so. Like, oh, you know, I don't like talking to so and so. Yeah, I don't care what you like doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I mean they they're real with me. And that's that's what I need. That's that's my therapy. And I think we with so much that we have going on today, I think that is very, very much important. Um, that we have that that outlet, but also that sounding board that is real with us and knows us. Um, again, it's free. Yeah. If you have people <clears throat> in your circle that you cannot do that with, I think you should reevaluate your circle. Mm -hmm. And we have different size circles because we're all different people. Um, one of my greatest strengths, but also one of my greatest vices is my heart. 
Mm. I have such a humongous or tremendous capacity, humongous or tremendous capacity to care that uh, for a long time I had to learn that um, I had to kill that super bad complex mm-hmm. where I cannot save everybody, save yeah. everybody, especially going into medicine. So seeing from working working in oncology and seeing these things, oh my god, these people are dying! Like these, these babies are dying! Like they didn't even have a chance! Like, um, but you have to come to the understanding that not every case is a case that can be saved. Yeah. And so my team reminds me of that every day. So. Yeah, yeah, good deal. So I'm going to add one last question before we get into some fun questions. Mm-hmm. You are preparing now to go into medical school soon. Yes. Um, what are you most looking forward to? What am I most... <laughs> what are you most looking... Let me add two questions. Yes, what yes. are you most looking forward to and what are you most um, concerned about or okay, you know, anxious fair. about? Yeah, that is, that is So fair. both sides that of the is, coin, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> So I am most looking forward to being done with medical school. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't even started yet. That's funny. I mean, yeah. I am not getting any younger. I'm mm-hmm. trying to have these patients before I die. Um, <laughs> but you're young, though. I, I, one young is relative. <laughs> that, I say that. Oh, I say that all the time. I say that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Now, I had some students. That, I mean, they look like 40, but they're 19, 18, <laughs> 22. Ooh, they um, had a hard life already. But yeah, what, what, what are their lifestyles? Like? Yeah. But uh, I think I think it's mindset. And so, yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, jokingly, yes, I am looking forward to being done. Mm-hmm. But I've also learned to respect and trust the process. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually looking forward to the process. And I really hope and pray that I remember that during the process. Like, I know that there will be late nights. So for right now, um, I practice a vegan diet. Um, I do not consume caffeine or carbonated beverages and, and so on and so forth. I have a very, very, very particular diet. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. But anyway, aside from that reason, um, one of my go-to methods during medical school is going to be caffeine. <laughs> I'm going to start my consumption because there will be times where, nah, I can't go to sleep. And you can't just say, oh, haze in the barn. Like, this is, this is not high school anymore. Mm-mm. This is not Morehouse College anymore in physiology. Like, <clears throat> I can't sit there and go, oh, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. The exam is in a few hours. I'm just going to go to sleep because if I don't know it by now, then I just won't know it at all. Nah, that, that little thing is not. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. All my friends that I've spoken to, from MD programs, PhD or PharmD programs, dental programs, and MD PhD programs, you can't think like that, and you can't act like that. So, <clears throat> I'm I'm preparing myself uh, for success in that sense, in which I trust and believe and fully put myself to the process. So that means engaging with uh, similar and, and experienced uh, networks of professionals that are seasoned, and um, mission trips, hopefully plural. Um, labs, volunteer experiences or opportunities, clinics, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then the other question was... Uh, what are you most concerned about or worried mm-hmm. about? I am most concerned or worried... So I'm trying to get this... Actually, I'm trying to block this out of my head. Um, mm-hmm. I have a friend. Uh, he did MD-PhD at Johns Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And one of the lessons... He probably doesn't remember this. One of the lessons he gave me... He disappeared his first few years when he left Morehouse. He disappeared. And I was confused because I'm like, dang, I just, I guess he's not cool anymore. Uh, and he's also one of the most intelligent people I know. But he disappeared. And when he finally came back, he came back to homecoming, um, you know, the family cookout. And he's like, <laughs> yes. He's like, yo, the program is real. <laughs> like, it's tough. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, so what happened? He's like, I just, I had to cut everything out. I had to just focus and study. <clears throat> and it really shocked me. <clears throat> it shocked me most because he said that. When he went there, and this is this is we have to be careful about how we judge situations and people. Um, because one of the things he sought to do was he said that um, when he went to study and ask individuals for help that came through before him that were still there, senior students <clears throat> that looked like him, they were some of the main ones that threw him under the bus or didn't help hmm. him or gave him the wrong information. And so he had to learn how to navigate himself. And so my concern is navigation. Hmm. Um I think I'm okay with judging a book by its cover and, and, you know, not, I don't think I have any um, secret or hidden biases uh, or prejudices toward people, but it can be the system itself. Cause I have a, I have a tendency to speak out against situations when I feel there's an injustice. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of adversity at Morehouse and Clark Atlanta for that, <laughs> but I do like to leave situations better than when I came because there are, I know there are individuals coming behind me. Mm-hmm. And if we're progressive in all things that we do, then they shouldn't have to experience the same hangups that I had to. Yeah. Yeah. Navigation is, the, is my apprehension, my reservation right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I will say one thing for me that I, I learned how to do um, 
I'm good at judging people mm-hmm. in in a context of will they do they mean me harm or not. I but I I have intentionally insulated myself mm. um, with people that have the same desire right, to right. that I have and yeah. that will offer things that I would like I would offer. So if I have a resource right. and maybe some I'm like somebody else needs this resource, sure, here you go. Um, literally got a text message from a friend today, like, hey, do you have these X, Y, and Z from this right here? If you do, mm. can you send it to me? Yes, yeah. You know, it's somebody I study with in the library all the time. We sit in the right, same right. seats. We hold each other accountable. If you're not there by nine o'clock, something's wrong. I call you. Um, so yeah, yeah, I've, I've, that's something I've done to protect myself. Right. Um, but let's jump into some fun questions. Okay. <clears throat> so you uh, won a track team at Morehouse. Yes. Um, and if you could right now compete against one person on the track, who would it be? Who would it be? Wait, first, what 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 did you do mm-hmm. on the track team? I did pole vault, decathlon, and eight hundred. Okay, all right. Yes, so I never sat down. <laughs> yeah, you were busy. But I, I got to eat whatever I wanted because <laughs> you were moving all the time. Off. Yeah. Um, who would it be? It's got to. I mean, everybody's talking about Usain Bolt right now. Mm-hmm. I'm nowhere near that, near that quick. But I've learned on the professional level, it kind of doesn't matter. You just got to talk a lot of crap. Like, that's, no, you'd be surprised. You can't hear it because you're in the stands or mm-hmm. you're, you're watching it from TV. Mm-hmm. But if you're ever down there on the field with them, they talk so bad. They talk so much. Like, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh, shut up. Yeah. But it's like little kids. But no, um, you saying both because <clears throat> whether people say it's uh, genetics or whatever, he's achieved a level of, of professional success that very few have experienced or will experience. And with that, um, I think there's a lot that I can learn from that. Mm-hmm. And when I say learn, I think that there are transferable skills that I can learn from him in track and field and apply to action my real life. So. Gotcha. <clears throat> Got it. Um, what is the last show that you've been wa- binged watch? Oh, so I, so technically right now it was, I'm watching something right now. It's called Blacklist. But okay. my last binge watch show which is also one of my favorites is um, This Is Us. I yes. lo- oh my gosh, yes. love it. Love This, this is, is Us. Us. Yes. Yeah. The- and I mean, it's, it speaks for itself if you have not checked it out. Yeah. After, you, after you listen to Medicine and Color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes indeed. Shameless plug. Um, watch this. Yeah, This Is Us. It is um, emotional, yes, very uh, but I love it. And I continue to watch it. I'm looking forward to coming back in the fall. Mm. Um, so you said that you're mm-hmm. vegan. I am vegan. Um, I believe in a plant-based diet. But so what, um, if you could describe your favorite meal right now or just in general, what's your favorite meal? This is one restaurant in Atlanta called Tassili's. Yes. And I am. I so love Tassili's. Oh my so gosh. So there's, I will say in all fairness, shout out to Clark Lane University. There's another restaurant called Slutty Vegan. I have mm-hmm. not tried it yet. I will try it. I went to Slutty Vegan while I was home. Yeah. But I am so loyal to Tassili's. Yes. Um, I am. I'm constantly trying to figure out how to make the silly at home. There's a okay. Let's pause for a second. Yes. There's a uh, rest. I'm gonna email this to you. I found a recipe for like a a punani wrap. You know, with the couscous excited. and the, and the corn. Let me tell you, love it, love it. Yeah. It is, okay. So okay, I I have a love hate relationship with TSA. When I fly, I fly pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Maybe once a month, whatever. But um, they always scream me and search me. I think it's the beer. But anyway, um. I took five wraps from Tassili's and I flew them back. <laughs> five wraps. Dang. Um, yeah, like, uh, is that good? It is. It is. Plugs Tassili's. I literally just commented on their Instagram yesterday mm. that I need to fly down just for a wrap. So if you're going down I got you. and you're bringing back. wraps bring back, it. get me a Poonani wrap, large, spicy mix, 60-40. 60, got you. Yes. Yes. Got to dry ice ready. Yes. Oh, man. That's what's up. All right. Yeah. Okay, so I love that place. Um, although the wait can be a little long sometimes, but I like it. Um, I but it's definitely not, it's two hours. I, that's another. It's not. Yeah. I went, and it's not as bad as Slutty Vegan. Slutty Vegan. That that wait. I wouldn't. I did it because I'm like I need. I should support this mm-hmm. place. It's a one. I, but I'll go back when she opens up a, a place that can hold more people. Yes. Um. So yeah. But uh, all right. So final question. Final question. Um. <laughs> When it's all said and done, yes. What do you want your legacy to be? Awesome question. Okay, so one of my lifelong goals, which I actually just achieved, 
the only other goal that I have left is medicine, but um, is um, membership with Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Mm -hmm. And so this is something I've been holding on to since my sophomore year of college, which mm -hmm. is a long time ago. But anyway, <clears throat> um, I look to, what I look to leave behind is motivation, opportunity, and access. So right now, when I have mentees that will call me last minute, they will call me and contact me or email me or text me and say, hey, I need a letter of recommendation. Hey, I need someone to edit my essay. Hey, I need help writing my essay, mm -hmm. a personal statement, whatever. <clears throat> These are skills and resources that typically we did not just readily have access to. Yeah. And so I make time to make sure that I'm able to provide these things for my circle, for all of us. And in a sense, these are teachable moments. And this is an iron sharpening iron. So one of the things that happens uh, with Alpha is that we develop leaders. Mm -hmm. We promote academic, we promote excellence in, in advocacy, and we do it for members of our communities. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do with my circle, that's what I do with my mentees, that's what I do with my friends. And that's what I want to leave. I want to leave people having <clears throat> people that were not privileged, mm -hmm. I want them to have the access um, that they did not have. Because there's a huge difference, yeah. um, privilege versus access. And that's that's what I want my legacy to be. I want my legacy of those, everyone that I interacted with and that they interacted with, I want them to destroy the status quo that that they experienced when competing against someone that has privilege. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So Oliver, thank you very much. This has thank been you. a very fruitful conversation. I think, um, like I said before, you have a very full story um, and amazing perspective. And it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I hope that everyone who listens uh, gleans something great from this. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. It's actually been my pleasure. Um, I hope that each person listening does tell someone about medicine and color. It's available on multiple platforms, mm -hmm. as you will, as you have heard, and, and we'll be reminded. So please share, uh, spread the word, and if you know someone, reach out for those sponsorships. Yeah, these things require support. So yes, make it indeed. Happen. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank